Whenever I teach Sunday school, um, this is, to me, Sunday school. And so it's not just uh, for me to teach a subject, but it's, I also believe it's time to impart skills to take and study the Bible for yourself. Uh, I've used the illustration many times, talked to my wife, Mindy, a number of times, uh, that sometimes you see church members who are very dependent on their pastor. And it's good to be there and available, but one thing about a pastor, you can't be every place at every time for every person. And you need to have a personal relationship with the Lord. You need to have the skills to get to a scripture and get what you need out of it. Amen. And one of the things I, I try to, uh, to do is uh, see the Word of God from a different perspective sometimes. Because the, the Word of God to me is, I use the illustration all the time, like a diamond. It's multifaceted. It has beauty from every angle. It has meaning and application from every angle. But some scriptures tend to get pigeonholed, okay? Matter of fact, a lot of times if you ever, uh, sometimes they'll write books to be a blessing to people. And if you need this, go to this scripture. If you need this, go to this scripture. If you need this, go to that scripture. And after a time, those scriptures only become associated with those things. So I'm going to read a text here, and you tell me what this scripture has become associated with. Okay, we'll talk about that. But in Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse 8, the Bible says this. It says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Okay? And the Bible says, But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek with his sword, excuse me, and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it uh, Jehovah Nissi, uh, for he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's pray before we go. Father, we do love you, and we just pray, Lord, that you would take and uh, help us to understand your word. Be with those who are apart from us. Give us understanding, but Father, give us application, Lord, that we might have uh, the tools that we need to get through the difficult times. And Father, we do love you, and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how many of y'all have ever heard a message from this portion of Scripture? It's a common portion of Scripture. What's the, what's the message usually about? It's porch pastor. Hold up his hands. Is that right? And part about Joshua? Yeah, that's good too. Yeah, amen. Yeah. But in a sense, that's kind of corollary to that one, in the sense that leaders need your support. And I will tell you this, that application is in here, all right? 
But I will tell you that if you go back and you study, I believe you're going to see that that is not the focus of the text, right? And I want to take and show you that here. Here, And one of the keys is this. And last week, uh, Jimmy, uh, or, or Ron, uh, gave a devotion and, and talked about what's the key word, key word. And we're all trying to guess the key word. And Jim, guess the key word. Boom. Okay, that's the one we need. Well, the key to this one, and I'll just let the cat out of the bag for sake of time. Uh, the key to this one, opening it up for me, was who is her? H-U-R. Who is her? Okay. Anybody know who her is, by the way? We don't know who her is, and the reason for that, if, if it is the key to understanding this, then how can you unlock the text unless you know what the key is, okay? And so, if you will, uh, we want to take and, 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 and not just, because uh, last week we looked at the, the rock that was smitten, the water came forth, and, and they received water, and we saw that in verses 1 through 7. And so I just want to review that real quick, because that's part of the context, okay? It's part of the context. Because, if you will, this, this is about battling Amalek, all right? But last week we saw the rock smitten. Look what the Bible says in verse 6 of our, of our text. The Bible says, Behold, I will stand uh, before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. Remember, we talked about that is the Lord himself. He says, And thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people, that the may, people may drink. And Moses did so on the side of the elders of Israel. Well, we just got done singing about this, standing at the at the river, amen, where the river flows from the throne of God, amen, and if you will, that is a real good picture of this, just thinking about it, you know, the, the, the God is on the rock, he is the one who is smitten, if you will, and then comes the water, and it's the water of life, you all know that, it's the river of life, and, uh, and, and if you will, Jesus was that rock, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, and uh, if you will, he said there, he says, And did all drink of that same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. We don't, we don't even have to, a lot of people like to argue about metaphors in the Bible. Metaphors are just uh, different ways of describing things. And uh, you could say, well, Jesus is a rock. Well, he is. He's a foundation. Or Jesus is like that rock. Meaning what? Well, when, when it was smitten, water sprung forth. You remember? That's what he promised the woman at the well. If you ask me, I'll give you water that springs up into everlasting life. Amen? You put all these things together and they make so much sense. Okay? Uh, the Bible interprets the Bible. Somebody put on Facebook a uh, graphic. They, they, put a, they put all the verses of the Bible and then they put a line from every verse to where it's referenced or how you could understand that verse. And it looked like a big rainbow of all the, uh, I mean, just multitudes. Some of you all have seen the picture. It was a very impressive picture. And it just reminds you, folks, we can understand our Bible if you let Scripture interpret Scripture. All right? And it just opens it up. And so I can say, well, that's God on there. Oh, no, 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 no. people want to argue about that. No, the Bible says that would... That was Christ. He was that rock. I don't have, we don't have to argue about it. The Bible makes it clear. Okay? And, and so, if you will, I, please forgive me. I, I get irritated when people strain at gnats. Okay? Why? Because a lot of times you take away the power of the Word of God just to make a point or to win an argument. I, I think we ought to do sound exegesis Believe me, I, I do all I can to teach people how to do it. I try to practice it diligently, okay? But if you will, the Bible says he was that rock. That's why that he couldn't be stricken twice or smitten twice. 
I told you where to go last time was Hebrews chapter 6. Let's go ahead, go ahead and go there this time so you can read it for yourself. Hebrews chapter 6. Why can't Jesus be smitten twice? Well, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4. The Bible says, for it is, what's that next word? How many of you all think if it says impossible, it means impossible? Okay. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Folks, who are partakers of the Holy Ghost? Saved people. Y'all with me? They were enlightened. They were filled with the Spirit of God. They were saved. So the Bible says, save people, it's impossible to what? Well, let's keep reading. He says, and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, <laughs> if they shall apostatize, if they shall leave the faith. Okay? Well, wait a minute. I know people who used to be Christians who have left the faith. They were never truly Christians. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says it is impossible. Is that what the Bible says? So this is not my opinion. This is not, well, you just believe in once saved, always saved. Yeah, I do. You know why? Because once you've been saved, it is impossible. Amen. Why? I tell you why. Because God's not willing that any should perish. And if you could lose your salvation, he would certainly want you to be saved again, would he not? But you can't be saved again. Why? Keep reading. If they shall fall away, verse 6, he says, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh. Jesus can't be crucified twice. He will only be crucified once. Folks, when the Bible says that he bore our shame, we need to contemplate on that. You guys ever done a job, you said, I'll never do that again. You guys know what I'm talking about? When Jesus did that job, he said, I'll never have to do that job again. Why? Because it was good the first time. And it works every time it's applied. Amen. Uh, this is a silly illustration, but people, people will argue, well, abstinence doesn't work. Teaching kids abstinence doesn't work. Well, please take this the right way. Abstinence works every time it's tried. Every time. Okay. And, and so if you will, verse 6, so we didn't finish the text. So the Bible says to crucify themselves... Uh, uh, the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Meaning this, well, it wasn't good enough the first time, Jesus. If you could come back and do it again, maybe you could get it right this time. Folks, that, that's just nonsense to even say that. Matter of fact, look what the Bible says in Hebrews 10, verse 12. Hebrews 10, verse 12 says this. The Bible, speaking of Christ, okay, the Bible says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Amen. One sacrifice forever has perfected. Y'all think he's, we're trying to get the point here? <laughs> All right, if you will. And so that's why he couldn't be smitten twice. This also demonstrated the impotence of the law to bring us to salvation. Meaning what? Well, if you were to look in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 12, as soon as he smote the rock twice, the immediate pronouncement, he didn't warn him, he didn't say anything to him, he just said, because you did not sanctify me in the eyes of Israel, you shall not enter into the promised land. 
Uh, it was an immediate. Why? Because we've talked about this, so I don't want to develop it too much more. But he said, go speak to the rock. Again, who's on that rock? Jesus on that rock. Amen? And he's already been smitten. You don't have to smite him again. You just got to talk to him. And if you need water, ask him for water. Amen. Okay, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful illustration. Um, what was the purpose of the law then? Well, the Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster, help me now, to bring us unto Christ. Okay, well, we don't have enough people quoting that one, so go to Galatians, if you would. Go to Galatians chapter 3. I want you to see it. Galatians chapter 3. And look at verse uh, 24. And the Bible says this, he says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we should be justified, what's the Bible say? By faith in what? Faith in the law or faith in the finished work? Yeah, not faith in Moses, but faith in the rock. You get it? Not faith in Moses. Moses didn't give him water. The rock gave him water. And Jesus is that rock. You all understand? And so what he's trying to say is, anybody says, well, uh, are you going to heaven when you die? Well, yeah. Well, why? Well, I was baptized and I go to church and blah, 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 blah. And all you have to do is say, Moses, 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 Moses. La, 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 la. Amen? Well, are you saying I'm not going to heaven? Not with those answers, you're not. That's why it's so important to say, I know in whom. In whom. Not in what. In whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded he is able. You all understand? And so we see, if you will, that Christ alone is our Savior. Verse 26, it says, it says, For ye are all the children of God, how? By faith in, say it, Christ Jesus. Okay? And so, if you will, we, we receive that water of life by faith in Christ Jesus. What must I do to be saved? If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You all understand? It's by faith in him. Why are you going to heaven? I'll tell you why I'm going to heaven. There was a day I realized I was a sinner, I needed a Savior, and I called upon Jesus Christ to save me. I'm not trusting in anything else. I'm trusting in the one who I called on. And so, if you will... <laughs> Uh, we see that he was the rock smitten. Now help me, is, is the rock a type of Christ? Then acknowledge this. Just about everything else you see in this passage is also a type of Christ. Okay? Meaning that when Moses is holding his hands up, and by the way, what's in his hand? The rod, the staff. Okay? And so... When he's holding that up, the Bible says Joshua and his armies prevail. So if you will, Joshua is a type of Christ, and we'll talk about that. And Moses and Aaron and her are a type of Christ. Okay? So let's see if we can see it. Right? We saw it with the rock. Now let's see if we can see it with the enemy that, they, that was confronted. Go back to our text. In Exodus 17, look at verse 8. And the Bible says, then came Amalek. Okay, if you study who Amalek is, Amalek was, I believe, a great-grandson of Esau. 
okay? So he came from the Edomites, okay? Came out of the Edomites, became a nation himself, okay? Uh, that's the reason that God gives us the genealogies. You can study that out in Genesis if you want to. But notice what the Bible says. The Bible says at the very end, it says in verse 16, it says, For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Anybody know what the word Arab means? Anybody know? I've taught it, but maybe you don't remember. The word Arab means mixed or mixture. Okay, that's one of the names, one of the meanings. And there's some things that apply to Esau and the condemnation of God as an enemy to Israel that applies to Esau. There's also, you remember how that... Um, Just left me. Not Isaac, but uh, Ishmael. Ishmael. Isaac and Ishmael. They were brothers. They would always be at war with one another. Amen. And Ishmael, uh, by the way, Ishmael and Esau intermarried. All right. And they became essentially what we call today Arab, mixed, mixture. So a lot of the curses that applied to Esau and a lot of the curses that apply to, I lost it again, Ishmael, um, they today are manifested with the Muslims, okay, Islam, and, and, and they, and I'm not the one that tie their history to that, they're the ones that tie their history to that. See, they say Jews follow Isaac and that the Arabs follow um, Ishmael, sorry. I have to start thinking of Moby Dick or something here to remember. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know what that reference is, the first line of Moby Dick is, call me Ishmael. There you go. Now you know. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, a lot of those, if you will, curses on those nations are manifested in what today we see the warfare. So how long does God say he's going to have warfare with this people? Notice the verse again. The Bible says from generation to generation. All right. By the way, God also says who's going to win the battle. All right. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 25 and look at verse 19. Deuteronomy 25. Verse 19 says, Therefore it shall be when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, and thou shalt not forget it. Meaning this, you know, folks, we got a whole world screaming at Israel to stop fighting in Gaza. And yet God has said, you're going to have to wipe them out. Okay? Well, please take this right way. It shouldn't surprise us that the devil's against fulfilling the word of God. Okay? It shouldn't surprise us that. Okay? And so you can understand why the world is in such an outrage and such an uproar. Why? Because for that to happen, the Bible's being fulfilled. Okay? The promises of God are being fulfilled. And so this is an enemy doomed to defeat. Uh, what enemy? Uh, uh, you guys know this, but the very first prophetic promise was Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, where he said the seed of the woman would have warfare with the seed of the serpent, okay? And so, if you will, 
ultimately, what is the name of the seed of the woman? Well, it's the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, okay? And so whenever we talk about Jesus the Christ or Jesus Christ, okay, Jesus Christ is not his last name. It's who he is. You guys understand that? And, and so if you will, Jesus the Christ or Jesus the anointed one, Jesus the promised one, Jesus the seed, if you will, who was promised in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, is ultimately going to crush the head of the Antichrist or the seed of Satan, okay? If you studied it, the Satan is, uh, the Bible tells us the Antichrist is going to be a very evil man, okay? Go, if you will, to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. <clears throat> and look at verse 1. And the Bible says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. By the way, is beast another name for the Antichrist? Okay. And the Bible says, uh, Having seven heads and ten horns, upon his horns ten crowns, upon his heads the name of blasphemy. If you don't understand what that means or what that is, all you have to do is go back to the book of Daniel and it will explain it to you. Okay. The Bible says, And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him, what's the Bible say? His power and his seat and great authority. Okay? And you got to remember, if you will, that this evil man is ultimately going to be possessed by the devil himself. Now, what, is, what does Emmanuel mean? What is Emmanuel? God with us, okay? Emmanuel, God with us, the hope of glory, okay? And so, is Jesus Christ the God-man? There's a Baptist church, come on now, we can do better than that. Is Jesus Christ the God-man? He is God in the flesh, is he not? Okay. Well, the only difference is God can do miracles. Satan can only imitate. You guys understand? And so he is not going to be able to create himself in the flesh. But he is going to be able to take an evil man, okay? And the Bible says somehow this beast, if you will, is going to be wounded in the head. The implication is that he dies, okay? And what is the greatest miracle, okay, that's ever been done? I mean, just think about it. What's the greatest miracle that's ever been done? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, Okay? So the whole world is going to know that this Antichrist is dead, and then he's going to be alive. And all the world's going to go, ah, he must be God. By the way, was that the response when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? No, it was. We better kill this guy. He's going to take over the world. And then when they, when they put him in the tomb, they said, lock it and put a seal on it. Why? Because he said he's coming out. Amen. We can't let that happen, right? And it's just, they said, he came out. We'll tell everybody that people stole his body. Ah! Isn't it weird how that the world tries to cover up truth, but they'll shout from the rooftops a lie. Y'all understand? And they're going to take and they're going to shout from the rooftops that somehow this man was resurrected. I don't know. Listen, I, all I know is what the Bible says. And to be honest with you, you've got to study pretty hard just to get a glimpse. Okay. So I, I don't know all the details how that's going to happen, but I, I will tell you this, it's going to be a fulfillment of Scripture for the devil. 
Why? Because he didn't say, I will be the most high. What did he say? I will be like. And what is Jesus Christ going to do when he comes as He's going to sit on a throne, and he's going to rule in Jerusalem. Amen? And he is going to be God incarnate. Amen? Hmm. Let's look at that. Let's go to Isaiah, if you will. Excuse me, just real quick while you're still here in, in Revelation 13. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. Okay, there you go, right? And his deadly wound was what? So if you, if you die from a wound and it's healed, y'all with me? Okay. The Bible says, and all the world wondered after the beast. They're like, how can a guy be dead and now he's walking around? Amen? You remember the miracle Jesus said? They said, give us a sign. He says, I'm only going to give you one. By the way, he had given them hundreds. <laughs> Amen? He says, I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. Because you're going to tear down this temple, and three days later, we're going to build it again. You're going to kill me. I'm going to be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Come on now. Amen? And folks, we know this. You know this. How many of y'all, your phone goes off whenever there's a lost child or a siren about to blow? What, what, what? Folks, they have the technology right now to alert the whole world something special is going on. Right now. You carry it in your pocket. Okay? And the whole world's going to know, hey, that guy just got up. Okay? Well, how'd he do it? Well... I think the master manipulator did something. How about you? Okay. Uh, look at uh, 2 Thessalonians, just real quick. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. Second Thessalonians 2, 4, the Bible says, and this is talking about the Antichrist, if you will, who, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God, not him being God, but pretending, to, okay? He as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And what is going to be the requirement ultimately for people on this earth to eat is, take the number of a man, 666, okay? And essentially you're saying, we are acknowledging you as God, now feed us. That's literally what that sign is, okay? And so when a person says, I'm not taking the sign, they're saying, you're not God. What's his response going to be? Well, then I'll kill you. Because everybody's going to acknowledge me as God. You know anybody that vengeful and that vindictive? I do. Because now we need to go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. And look at verse 12. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, the Bible says this, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? By the way, that's what his name was before the fall. It's not his name now. 
The Bible says, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Meaning you, you were cut out of heaven. Okay. For thou hast said, here's the reason why. Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. And by the way, he can't do that in heaven. Can't do it on earth. Verse 14, he says, And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Say it with me. I will be like the most high. People are going to bow down to me. They are going to worship me. Okay? And you remember how, how, how great of an appetite does Satan have to be worshipped? He said this. He said, I'll stop fighting with you, Jesus, if you just fall down and worship me one time. Worship me one time, and all this is over. And by the way, I think he'd have kept that promise. Okay? Worship me one time, and it's all over. By the way, if Jesus would have, then it would have been over because we'd have had no Savior. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay. But here's the whole point, is uh, uh, this warfare that is taking place between Israel and Amalek, folks, is far more than just between two brothers. It's far more than just between two nations. It's between God himself and his greatest enemy, Satan, our adversary. That's what Satan means, amen? And so, if you will, we see here, uh, this is an enemy defeated. By the way, how was this enemy defeated? Because he was defeated, okay? Amalek was defeated. How was Amalek defeated? And sometimes you've got to answer the simple questions. Go back to our text so you can see it. Exodus chapter 17, you tell me how Amalek was defeated. Now, just to get this one out of the way, ultimately he was defeated by God. Okay, so we got that one out of the way, all right? But ultimately, how was David, how was Amalek defeated? Yeah, who was holding the sword? And? <laughs> Look at it, because there's an and there. Okay? Look at verse 9. Joshua and? I'm doing this so you can see it for yourself. Yeah. Notice what the word says. He says, Joshua, what's the next word? Choose ye out men. Folks, it's not a stretch here. It was Joshua and the chosen men. Y'all see it? Everybody see it now? Joshua and the chosen men. Well, folks, Joshua is just the Hebrew name for a Greek name, Jesus. Okay? The both names mean the same thing. Joshua and Jesus mean the Lord is salvation, okay? So who's ultimately going to give us the victory? The Lord is. The Lord is our salvation, amen? And, and so if you will, he fights the battles and he defeats the enemies, but he also invites us to join in the fight, okay? Could God simply have defeated the Amalekites? He could have, but you know what he said? He said, I want Joshua and his chosen ones to do it. Well, who are his chosen ones? Well, folks, those are the saved children of God. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 2, look at verse 13. The Bible says, But we are bound to give thanks always, always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning, say, say it with me, 
chosen you to salvation. All right? So listen, if you're saved, are you chosen? Amen? Through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, meaning God does His part and then we do our part. Okay? God sanctifies us. He sets us aside and then we believe on Him. Okay? The Bible says, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do we all have a calling on our lives? We absolutely do. Now, some of us have a calling to ministry, or, or if you will, to full-time ministry. But all of us have a calling to service. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And how is the world going to be conquered? Folks, the only way this world will be conquered and defeated is by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Y'all understand that? And so Jesus says, you, 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 you. Okay, I'm pointing at all of you. Okay? He says, come on, we've got an enemy to fight. Y'all with me? Well, you could just win it all by yourself. Yeah, I could. But I want you to join in the battle. Now, we got one soldier in here. We've got two soldiers in here. Got any other soldiers I know about? Any other soldiers? Uh... uh I can only speak for myself. If it got bad enough, would you re-enlist? Yeah. You know why? You guys ever heard the term, once a Marine, always a Marine? Well, folks, I don't think that just applies to Marines. I think it applies to anybody who's willing to lay down their life for what they believe in. That's why I take time whenever we're thanking the veterans to also thank our firemen and our policemen and our EMTs. Because they put their lives on the line on a constant basis for us. I'm so thankful. And folks, God could just have destroyed the, the enemy. But he didn't. He said, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll be the general. I'll assure the victory. But I want you to join my army. You all understand? It's kind of like, I was, listen, I was, uh, I'm old enough that they still had World War II recruitment posters up whenever I joined. Okay, you remember this? Join, and Uncle Sam needs you, and you guys remember some of those things? Remember seeing them? <laughs> uh, they still had some of those things hanging up. Why? Because, you know, military bases don't change real fast sometimes. <laughs> okay. And so my whole point is this, is, uh, is uh, the chosen. It was Jesus Christ and the chosen. The saved are the chosen, and we have been chosen to join the battle. And for sake of time, I won't go there. But folks, that's why he gives us Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Amen? Put ye on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to resist the wiles of the devil. Amen? And then he talks about the helmet of salvation, and he takes the uniform all the way to the head, all the way down to the feet. And then he says, praying for us that we may what? Speak as we ought. Why? Because Jesus invited us to the battle. And our weapon, our only weapon, is the sword, which is the word of God. You guys understand that? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? And the God, God says this, he says, by the foolishness of preaching, what a stupid weapon. They've got swords and knives and guns, and all we have are words. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? Kind of like walking around a city for seven days saying nothing. 
Kind of like having a, a pitcher and a lamp. Amen? And God says this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Okay? If you will, is that a perfect picture of what we're supposed to be doing today? Jesus Christ is the general. And we're the chosen army. And we're to go out and we're to fight this battle. Okay? So if you will, we see the picture of the rock smitten. That's Jesus. We see the picture of the enemy confronted by Jesus as our general. And we're the army. We're the chosen ones called to battle. Amen? But then we also see the victory assured. How many of you all know we're on the winning team? Let me ask it this way. How many of you all feel like you're on the winning team? <laughs> Doesn't feel like we're winning sometimes, does it? And I'll just tell you, war is not a pretty thing. War causes scars. War causes memories. I'm a fake veteran. What do I mean by that? I served for 10 years but I never once was in risk of my life, not one time. But you talk to somebody who's been in a real battle, and they will never, hardly ever, give you details of the battle. Why? One reason it hurts too bad. Can I ask you a question? In your battling for the our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, any of y'all got any battle scars? Any of you got any deep wounds you don't like to talk about? Come on. And listen, I, I've read the book, so I know we won. But folks, when World War I and World War II started, there was no assurance of victory. Aren't you glad for all the guys that signed up and said, I got to go? I'm so thankful. I got to go. And sometimes people in the Christian walk are saying, I, I just can't do it. Why? It just hurts too bad. Yeah, it does. I can't really talk to anybody about it. I know. I know. See, that's the nature of real warfare. That's the nature of real warfare. But are we going to win? You know, the difference between World War II and the battle we're in, we know we win. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Moses, what was Moses' office? He was a prophet. Everybody say it with me. Moses was a? And Aaron was a? Priest. Okay. Well, then it begs the question, who was her? It really begs the question, who in the world was her? And you do a little bit of study, and you find out he was Caleb's grandson, who was a descendant of a man named Eliphaz, who was a son of Judah, and who in Genesis chapter 49, God gave the promise that a scepter would reign in the house of Judah. And folks, Israel didn't have a king, but Israel was going to have a king. And God doesn't make any mistakes in his word, folks. You know what you see with those three men? A prophet, a priest, and a king. And I want you to know, a king couldn't be a priest. 
and a priest couldn't be a king. But does anybody know somebody who is a prophet, a priest, and a king? Jesus Christ. And folks, get a hold of this. That picture of three, that's why I said the key to understanding this whole passage of Scripture is, who is her? It only takes you about ten minutes of study to figure out who he is. He is the representative of the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Levi and the prophet. Amen? Because Jesus is that prophet like unto Moses. Amen? And he is our great and high priest that cannot be, that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he was tempted in all points such as we, yet without sin. Amen? And by the way, folks, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He said, well, he's not sitting on the throne yet. Well, her and his family wasn't sitting on the throne yet, but they're going to sit on the throne. Amen. Now, we know he's in heaven. He's in our heart. We understand that. But, folks, he's going to sit on the throne on earth someday, just like he promised. Amen. Well, folks, get a hold of this. This is a picture of Jesus Christ. Who won the battle? Folks, what did the staff represent? Hmm? It represented the power of God to do things. Throw it down, it'll turn into a serpent. Put it over the water that it will divide. Smite the rock and it'll flow water. I can do all things through. And whenever he's lifted up, you win. And whenever you get too tired, you lose. Y'all understand? That's why we got to lift one another up. Why? That we keep the power of God working. Amen? And it's not about a tired Moses. It's about what gives the victory. It's what's, what, what wins. And I will tell you this. When we're in the battle and, and when we're struggling, when we're going through the hard times, it's so easy to get in the flesh and to get tired and to stop doing the things that exalt the power of God. Amen? And it's a picture of Christ. Jesus said this. He said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Well, we're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Get them saved. You can't save anybody. But you know what you can do? You can lift up Christ. Brother, I don't know what to tell you, but God's been good to me, right? I know sometimes they're hard, but God is good. Right? It wouldn't be, look at me. It would be, look at him. <laughs> and folks, every one of us are in those battles that sometimes we're losing. We just got to remember, wait a minute, is somebody on the hill lifting up Jesus for me? Because a prophet, a priest, and a king were doing just that. And Jesus Christ is that prophet, priest, and king. And if we want God to work, we have got to lift him up. Amen? John the Baptist said, he must increase. I must decrease. Would to God that we could learn that lesson. Folks, if ever you can't understand a text in the Bible, try to see Jesus in it, and you'll be amazed how it will unfold before you. And we're done.